Hey there, welcome back to Tales from a Cult Insider. I am your insider and former unwilling cultist, Jared freaking Garrett. I am here to tell you stories and am joined still by Emma, my wonderful, many-adjectived sister. Uh, what you're going to hear now is the rest of the recording from our two-hour recording session. So this is going to be a, just under an hour of an episode. So she's already introduced herself in the previous episode and the one before that. So we're going to jump right in here in a second. Again, the recap. We grew up in a freaking cult. It sort of branched off Scientology. It was stupid. It became the process. You can still find it. Google the process or the process church of the final judgment and wait for your mind to be blown. I've been telling you these stories for years. Uh, so welcome back to uh, the podcast. And uh, you may be getting a feeling that uh, maybe the podcast is truly actually wrapping up. That is a correct feeling. So uh, really glad you're still with me on the journey. You're still with me and my sister, who's now joined me on this discussion. Uh, talking with her has been wonderful and sweet, and I just adore her. So I hope that you enjoy uh, this episode as well. Let's jump into episode 43, Punches, Sort of Thrown, and Final Thoughts. Here we go. Okay, so I want to I wanna throw a couple of punches. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, one, one topic I had was the truth about Cyrus and another one was let's name some names. And I thought, well, why don't we just name some names and throw punches at the same time? Um, so l let me give my experience of Cyrus and a bit of Anne and you, you, you go ahead and pile on. Um, and then let's see if there's other folks we want to just say, you know what? And this guy too, or that person too. So wait, wait, I'm sorry. I need to ask questions. Go ahead. Um, did you know that your sister swears like a sailor? I know that my sister swears like a sailor. Okay, real quick uh, note to my listeners. There's probably going to be swearing. Oh, I mean, you can beep it out if you can figure out a way to beep it out, but I, I swear a lot. Friends, I know how to beep it out. Um, I, I don't, though. Um, I don't. I, I, and I'm going to tell you why really briefly. Because if somebody's saying a thing, and it's an authentic thing that they're saying in the way they're saying it, that needs to be heard that way. Um, in my opinion, period. So I actually, if there's a, I try to be true to that principle. So if there's a TV show or a movie that I feel like I want to watch, but it's got a bunch of nudity and sex scenes, which I pers I prefer to not put into my brain because of my own personal preferences, then I have to decide, okay, is it worth letting this stuff go in my brain to watch the show that I want to watch? And sometimes yes, and sometimes absolutely not. Uh, so do not feel self-conscious. You, you say what you got to say the way you want to say it, uh, sister and listeners just buckle up or something. I don't know. Cotton, <laughs> put your fingers in your ears. Frick, whatever, man. Um, don't hold back. So Cy Cyrus puts out this just skin crawly. It's skin crawly for me because I know the truth. Um, but a lot of other people are like, oh, hippie, man. He's so kind and peaceful. He puts out this persona. Of, you know, a peace-loving, uh, I should say peacenik, actually, because he is, he, that's what he acts like. A peace-loving hippie uh, who's at one with the world and his energy's even and smooth all through the world. And maybe it is at this point, I don't know, but back in the day, that man had a temper and he expressed that temper uh, with angry words and angry emotional abuse and he beat the living cannoli out of me when I was nine. Um, I got in a fight with Manuel, his son. Manuel got to actually spend all of his early childhood until he was 11 or 12 with his parents. And they sure treated him like their son. I tell you, man, he was spoiled. But 
I got in a fight with, with, with Manuel. We pushed each other. He fell down. I did not. I don't fall much. Um, except for when I really want to embarrass myself. And, um, he, he screamed all bloody murder at me and swore at me because man, I had a dude that had a potty, kid had a potty mouth. Um, and I aimed to kick at his side and pulled it before I actually hit. So I still hit him, but it wasn't that bad. But Anne happened to see it and she freaked out. She screamed at me at length and then said, go to your room. And I did. And this was in Denver. Um, this was in the, play, the, the, the area of Denver that you lived in, you know, kind of out in Arvada. Uh, so a suburb of Denver uh, where there's that house out front and then the house in the back. And then there's the bigger, longer house on the side where they had celebrations and crap. And then they had the fields off to the side. So I, I go up to my room and I'm like, well, that sucks. But I have books, so all's good. So I sit down and read books. A couple hours later, I hear Cyrus pounding up the stairs. And my previous listeners have heard this and I pre- probably told you, Emma. Pounds up the stairs and he slams that door open. It hits so hard it bounces back. And he starts screaming at me. And then he lays into me, physically beating the crap out of me. He didn't hit my face, but he hit literally everywhere else. Um, and I uh, wet my pants. I was so scared. And uh, then um, I had no idea what I could do after it. And I just wanted to kill him after. But I certainly didn't feel like I had any recourse anywhere in that group with anybody to, like, say, Cyrus did this. Um, no, Nobody. I felt like I didn't feel like there was anybody who, who I could tell, nor there, nor did I feel like it was something I should tell about because this is just what you what you get in the cult. Adults get to do whatever the freak they want, um, and nobody cares. So um, that that's one of the reasons that I can't stand the side of Cyrus. I can't stand him. He just thinking about him makes me nauseous. Wow! Because all I all that's in my mind's eye now when I think of him is, I mean, I was two or three, like Mm -hmm. tiny. He is this behemoth of a man, like very tall. Yeah. He's six, two or three or something. Yeah. And, and like dark, you Mm -hmm. know, like dark hair, dark eyes, like just, and always just like looming, awful, like, I don't know, like pure evil, honestly. And I don't, I don't remember a lot of like what he did to me, but I do know that I was scared to be alone with uh, men for quite a while after I left. So he like makes me sick. Mm. I'm sorry. Uh, we can we, we can avoid giving him the time of day at this point, um, <laughs> except for that if I ever see him, it, I am not a violent person. But if I ever see him, there may there may be a problem. I don't I don't know. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I don't say it lightly, but I just. I want some temporal mortal justice for that dude. I want him to know that he effed things up, you know. Um, yeah. Anyway, and I'm, I'm sorry that, that that was the case. So for Anne, Anne felt more effective to me in her ability to seem serene and good. But I also had her lay into me and never actually ask me my opinion or my position on something. It was just she's told the thing and or she learns about a thing that she doesn't approve of. And so it is time to flip out at Jared. Never flip out at Manuel, no matter how deeply in the center of the crap he should have been. And almost never flip out at Mark because Mark was so good at uh, sneaking her out. And um, if we did something wrong, he would tell on me for doing the wrong thing. Uh, 
So then Anne would lay into me because it was all me and Mark's the way Mark told it. And then Mark would stand behind Anne and pull ridiculous faces at me and uh, crap. So, yeah, I didn't like Mark either <laughs> very much. <laughs> but Anne was just so unreasonable and so ridiculously shouty. Um, and she always, it always felt like she had, she, she was two people almost, you know? I, I don't remember a lot of her. Um, I, I think I liked her. I think she was, hmm. she was nice to me. I do have a picture of her holding me like, and she was dressed like a clown. And I, like, I. I don't have any bad memories of her. I don't think I think okay. she was she was nice to me, but I don't. I also don't have a lot of memories of her. Gotcha. So I'm not sure that's Anne in that picture. I I don't know. <laughs> I think that it might, might not be. I think that might be Adrian in that picture. I I don't know. It's been I don't know. Or you or might be somebody. right. Yeah, or somebody else who. So there were a few people who were phenomenal clowns. Anne was a great clown. Uh, Adrian was a good clown. Um, I forgot the other woman's name. I'm such a bad person. I'm not a bad person. I just forget the person. I don't remember this other lady's name. Uh, it was like Jonna's friend or something. Um, who were, some of these ladies were just ridiculously good clowns. Why were they clowns? I told you already, listeners. Come on, keep up. Um, okay. So, and then of course there's Gabriel who spoke in the soft, uh, hippie voice. Hello, Jared. Hello, Emma. How are you today? Uh, and still sounds exactly like that and still looks like a member of Moody Blues um, <laughs> or something. He he always seemed like he was trying to look like the anglicized version of Jesus Christ to me. You know, feathered long hair, a very soft beard and always very soft voice. Um, oh, white Jesus. What's that? Oh, white Jesus. Oh, white Jesus. Yeah. So, I mean, and I, I've complained at length and not complained. I have. Uh, spoken at length about Lucia and her unbelievable um, emotional abuse that she she uh, presided over over in Dallas. Um, but are there other folks from your experience, at like on at Best Friends or in Denver that uh, ought, ought to be named? Um, I let's see. <clears throat> mom had my mom has a story about. Um, before I was sent to Denver, um, uh, and I was at the, uh, I don't know, the main house thing where everyone ate dinner because, you know, she, she was, um, the cook. Oh yeah. The village. Mm -hmm. And she would take me with her obviously. And, um, I think she had like left to do something for a minute and we were out in like the main area where like the tables were set up or whatever yeah and i can't remember who it was but she said that somebody had come in and and had seen me and basically said like well that's ridiculous that they're not putting you to work so here's a broom and a dustpan and i want you to sweep this whole thing and then left and then what the frick uh, huh what in the world i know and it and then she's mom said that she came back and just found me in like a sobbing little heap on the floor because the, the broom and the dustpan were way too big for me and I couldn't do it. And, but I don't remember who 
that person was and I wonder if it was Anne. I'm not sure. I'll have to I'll have to ask her if she remembers. But yeah, hmm. she does she does have that story. Um and then my, you know, sort of keeper as it was in Denver, um, was Estelle. Right. And um she I do have memories of her like hitting me and stuff. And um yeah, so it was a I I know she died, um, yeah. and I remember like hearing about when she died, and it was a real weird, like feeling that I had because it 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 was like a a mix of like okay, and also oh that's too bad, and also good. So it was right. it was a real weird a real weird feeling because she yeah. was my like caretaker, but she was also like fucking awful. So, yeah. uh, I, yeah. So it was a real mixed feelings. And then just those other girls that I was at Denver with Natalie and Jennifer, they were horrible. They were the ones who like locked me in the shed for the whole day and stuff. And, yeah. um, so and I know, you know, like it's not really their fault, you know, yeah, there's just, a bullying um, streak there or something. I'm not sure what, yeah, what caused all that. It, it's just how they were raised. So, I yeah. mean, you know, now I don't know what they're doing, but. Right. Um, and who, but yeah. How did you ultimately get out of that shed? Um, I waited until nighttime. And then when I wasn't at dinner, um, they noticed that I wasn't there. And then they came and got me. Hmm. Okay. But I remember like they, they had tricked me in there because they were all trying on, you know, those like, sparkly wigs yeah with like the little like holographic strings on them or whatever yeah and they they were taking turns trying it on and i was like oh like i want to turn and so they let me try it on and then they said go in the shed because the light reflects off of it and makes little rainbows on the shed and i was like oh sick that sounds great and so i went in and then i heard the door behind me shut and I went to open it and it was locked and I heard them laughing and then I didn't hear them laughing anymore and I remember just kind of it was a small shed so I remember yeah. just sitting in it and uh, um I'm sure I know what shed watching, it is yeah and just watching the sun you know move across <laughs> right across the shed yeah so uh so this is this is we can't name them because we don't know all of them but I can tell you that Chandra was in Denver during that time uh, Anne and Cyrus were in Denver in their, during that time. Um, Estelle was there. Probably Lucina was there since Johanna, or since Natalie and, and Jennifer were there. Um, Dylan might have been there during that period of time, at least part of it. Um, who else? Judah was there. Judah was in Denver at that time? Okay. Yeah, I have pictures of him. Wow. And I was so in love with him. Yeah, so, well, um, I mean, a lot of girls were. Um, it's pretty funny. Um, he was a strapping young feller. He's now a strapping middle-aged feller. Uh, so he every. Worked. What's just that? like Kirk Cameron. He looked <laughs> just like Kirk Cameron. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's funny. Kirk Cameron. He was he was the heartthrob for a minute there. Um, every adult and every adult adjacent person is absolutely culpable in that situation, in, in, in that ridiculous situation, because at no time should a three or four year old, however old you were, be left unthought about for that kind of time. We... Kids need to be thought about, and we don't. They need. To, they don't need to be hovered over, but they. We need to be aware of where of where they are, and make sure and know that they're safe and cared for, or at least safe and occupied 
or safe and bored, but safe and um, watched over. And that clearly wasn't the case since you were in there for literally hours, right? Most of a day? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unfrickin' believable. All y'all people, was, I feel. I hope they feel the burn if they're hearing this. But it was almost like... I remember feeling upset at first, but then, you know, it was almost like, well, you know, they don't know where I am, and, and nobody's bothering me, and so, right. you know, if I'm alone, then I'm safe. Exactly. Because I would have, like, an area of the yard that I would go and kind of like sequester myself in with my little like Polly pocket dolls or whatever right, right. Um, that I would play in to sort of like hide from everyone because if I was hidden, then I was safe. Exactly. So. Yeah. And it's just, just that, that, that whole notion, if I'm hidden or outside out, out of their sight, I'm safe. That's a terrible way to live daily, daily, daily. Like that, that's unbelievable. And that was the case for me too. It always felt unstable and unsafe. Um, and that the, the best, the situation where I'm in control, which is me by myself is the safest situation. Cause I, I'm not going to hurt myself. Um, as parents, we know that the, the, the level of neglect, even though you didn't want them around, but the level of neglect to have you be completely not even looked thought about for that whole period of time is probably illegal. Honestly, it's, it's, there's probably laws about it. Um, oh, yeah. For for good reason. Um you could have I mean that that property was bordered bordered on big long meadows and that, that led to I can tell you that beyond a ridge line, or a tree line there was a big uh, graveyard for power power uh, machinery uh, like power shovels and all that other crap and there was a, a very dangerous set of old um stalls and barns for where cows used to be. Um a small girl, a small child like you could have wandered off and gotten into all kinds of dangerous trouble. And those knuckleheads wouldn't have known because you were gone nope. all day. You could have just wandered off and been abducted even. Yeah. yeah. That was back yeah. in the day when uh, missing children were on milk cartons, by the way, everybody. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yeah. That actually leads really uh, well. Let let let's let's see if there's anybody else here. So I mean, and then there's Dallas for me. Um, like uh, our main caregiver, caregiver, um, <laughs> the guy who was our legal guardian because he took us to so many places was Jonathan Street uh, Cole, and he he was actually not abusive. He was just in his own little world. Uh, he made sure we were where we were supposed to be. He made sure that the food was in the house, and then he just over kind of watched over us as we figured crap out uh rotations for chores and for cooking and for cleaning and um and he did our, our morning inspections because there was a morning inspection before school most days to the point of like make sure that everybody's wearing a belt make sure everybody's wearing clothes that look like they fit ish uh and aren't going to fall off or too smelly make sure people don't smell like urine which is hard for a little boy sometimes um i mean we know it um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then we would also have our breath smelled because we had to brush our teeth every morning and night. Um, yeah, we had our breath smelled. I can't even believe that we still did. We, we did that. Um, Lucia was the, was the champion worst there, but Jason was terrible because he would just, he would go from zero to nuclear, horrifyingly angry and shouty at people, uh, in, in no time, no transition, no warning. Suddenly Jason is livid and he's blowing up. And this could result in a smack upside the head, up the face, 
uh, squeezes of the arms and shoulders, or spankings. All of these just corporal punishment to teach us a lesson or something. Not actually express his anger, of course, because he was an abusive person. Um, yeah, Jason was the last person who ever spanked me. Um, that, that, that's good times. And uh, I believe in Denver, I got spanked by every adult that was there. Um, oh, yeah, I got spanked a lot, too. <laughs> except, except for your mother, Susan, because she and I were in Denver at the same time for a little while. And I, I worked by her side in the kitchen, actually, sometimes. Um, hmm. It's where she told me about how she got the gray streak in her hair. I think it was from a bear or lightning or something. Um, yeah, lightning. She got lightning. struck by lightning through yeah. the phone. Uh, but she, she never did any kind of physical um, thing to me. And this was even before, you know, uh, she and, and, and our dad got, got together. But only a couple of years before that. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they were making eyes at each other by that time because he was there sometimes. But, uh, yeah, every, other than that, every other adult in that branch had a go at my butt, uh, <laughs> with any number of things. Sometimes it was hands. Sometimes it was wooden spoons. A couple times it was a brush, the back of a brush. And once or twice it was the actual bristles of a brush. Um, mm. yeah. And we were, we were after the trick of trying to put a, like a, a magazine or a comic book inside of pants but outside the underwear to uh d kind of spread the force out from the swatting um after that was found out we were to always pull our pants down and have our underwear exposed so that we could get our butts smacked that way so yeah oh, i i yeah. was all it was always like bare ass for me like, are you serious no, oh what? yeah like like estelle um i i accidentally wet the bed when i was three how dare um, you how dare you Emma? i know i know and then but and i knew that i had done it but it was the middle of the night and i i knew that i needed to tell someone but i didn't want to risk getting someone angry by going and waking them up in the middle of the night <sighs> and not only waking them up but telling them that the reason i was waking them up was because i did something wrong are you saying um, you didn't trust anybody you felt like you couldn't trust anybody yeah. That's weird. I know. So weird. But, um, so I was like, okay, well, I'll just go back to sleep and I'll tell them in the morning. So, which now that I think about it, I'm like, oh, so as a three-year-old, you slept in your own urine because you didn't want to make anybody angry. Cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, being three by the next morning, I had forgotten about it. And right. so I went about my day as usual. And then Estelle was giving me a bath and without any sort of like discussion of it, any forewarning, she just told me to stand up and turn around and just started like wailing on me. I'm Jeez. completely naked. And I remember just being like so shocked and in my head being like, why why is this happening? And then remembering, oh, because I wet the bed. So you had to just so. figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's not how you teach kids, everybody, if anybody's fuzzy <laughs> on that. No good lesson learned, none whatsoever. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I had, like, I, I wet my bed up until I was around, not all the time, but every so often until I was around seven or eight, which is a sign of, uh, some problems Trauma. yep. <laughs> <laughs> being, being traumatized, but also Mark once met, met, wet my bed because he sometimes liked to sleep in my bed while I was in that bed. It's a little odd, but you know, what are you gonna do? Um, but he wet the bed and then he, he didn't fess up to it. 
He just let them think that I did. And I'm like, Mark did. Mark wouldn't be in your bed, Jared. Ridiculous thing. My gosh. Mm, yeah. That's me. Gross stuff. Well, okay. Uh, I'm sorry that Estelle was like that. When she was in Dallas, um, she was involved in teaching us etiquette dinners. Um, she. It seemed like she and Julia got along well. Julia being the twins and Asta's uh, mom. So Julia and Estelle seemed to get along really well. And they came in and taught us, did some etiquette dinners and some focus classes for us, uh, which was always interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. I always thought Estelle was an interesting person. Her, her dogs hated me. Her dogs hated me. Just absolutely. I'd go into her room to take out her garbage um, because I was on garbage duty a lot. And her dogs would just bite my knees every time. Freaking. Really? Yeah, one of them was uh, was Borgnine or something or Borgy. I don't know. And he, hmm. bought, he bit my knee every freaking time. Man, I tell you, my right knee. It's a weird that it's not scarred from all the dog <laughs> bites by her, her stupid little pug and dashing. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just saying man um one highlight was bridget bridget was actually okay um she would lose it sometimes and flap the handle but she seemed actually uh, engaged and interested in in our lives if not our lives but at least in doing her job as teacher so she taught the older class um school at faith school she was my teacher i think for two years um or a year or something um and then jonathan would come in and teach math poorly um like really <laughs> poorly my gosh but but how do you switch it? And why can you just switch it to negative? You just do, Jared. But that doesn't make any sense. Well, that's how it works. Just do it that way. I don't understand. Just just do it that way. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you do it. Okay. Which led to me being gaining a position of trust and getting a key to the school building on Bowser Street in Dallas. Riding my bike the mile or so there. Um, going into the, the teacher desk, pulling out the teacher copy, copying all the answers to the math, and then turning that in the next day as if I'd done the work. Yes, I cheated through algebra, which is one of the reasons I suck at algebra still. Um, nice. But yeah, Bridget Bridget one time caught me reading Clan of the Cave Bear. And on the note of a novel full of racy, steamy scenes, is a great chance for some station identification. Uh, stay tuned. We'll come right back to the last half of this episode. Um, I believe I was 15. Are you familiar with Clan of the Cave Bear? Uh-uh. Yeah, well, that's okay. Um, it's, it, it, it's not great. Anyway, um, <laughs> it, it's okay. Um, it, it's super graphic sex scenes in that, and that is absolutely 100% why I was reading it. Um, there was also some very interesting story and, you know, uh, it, it's like prehistoric man, um, crossed with some Cro-Magnon. Anyway, uh, but there was a ton of sex. And boy, oh boy, I tell you, I got a kick well, out of it. now I'm going to have to. I know, that. right? You know, get those You're steamy really scenes. There you go. There's, it's a big old series too. Clan of the Cave Bear, uh, In the Caves of Something, whatever the frick. So I was reading the second or third one in the series and she's like, wait a second. So she takes me out to the front porch of the school building that we had. It was just a building they rented for, for us to do school. Um, and uh, she's like, tell me why you're reading this book. I'm like, well, I'm just, I like to read books. And I had literally just, just months before read It, the Stephen King book, in oh. which the halfway culmination of that is a bunch of young kids, literally 11 or 12, having sex in an orgy. Oh, wait, what? Yeah, for real. No, for real. For real. For real, for real, for real. So watch the pitch meeting from, by Ryan George of It, 
and he goes into it and it's fantastically done. Um, anyway, I'd read that book and I read a lot of steamy stuff. Uh, I was a teenage boy. That's how I, you know, right. did research or whatever the frick. Um, but she, she saw and she's like, Frick, you can't be reading this. I'm like, why? Because that's extremely graphic. And I'm like, you know, today I'm like, Bridget knew that these books were extremely graphic. That must mean she'd read them. Um, but uh, <laughs> so gotcha, Bridget, a lot later. She's, she and I are friends on Facebook. She's great. She sends me a card every Christmas and every birthday. Um, Aww. She's very sweet. But she, she expressed concern about my, my reading choices. She told me that she thought I shouldn't be reading that because I, I, I probably wasn't prepared for it emotionally and stuff like that. And, you know, she was right. She was 100% right about that. But I did not care. Uh, and I argued with her. And she actually listened to my argument and talked more. And it was an actual healthy interaction with an adult. And there were so few of those. That may have been one of the only good ones. Actual good, healthy, emo emotionally even um, conversations I ever had with an adult. Uh, to the point where I actually ended up revealing to her that I, I had goals in my life. And I had ambitions for being, you know, the best person I could possibly be. Um, and I said that to an adult. So she, she, big, big, big thumbs up to, to Bridget. She just, she was, she was a real special person. Um, okay. real special. Um, but yeah, otherwise Dallas was full of very angry people, <laughs> except Bethany. Yeah. Bethany cut my hair. Uh, and she was, she was sweet. She, she tried to direct me down good paths when it came to music. And I was like, what the frick? <laughs> I don't care. Um, at freaking all. My gosh, I didn't care. Uh, yeah, but Dallas was full of people who were very uh, unhappy under the thumb of, of, of Lucia. And then Best Friends was just full of people who didn't like what they were doing. Um, well. Yeah, the other person at, at Best Friends that, uh, like, stands out as, like, gives me the heaps is um, Raphael. But because he thought that I was a reincarnation of his dead wife. And yes. so it was always very, like predatory <laughs> oh dear like he would give me like chocolates and stuff and then Whoa. you know like um i remember after we you know left um my mom and i like this was like years later and my mom and i had gone to the movies in knab and when we were leaving um we we saw Raphael there and he was still like giving me eyes oh my like, gosh yeah so it was always very like like he really thought i was his dead wife wow. like it was like grooming yeah absolutely that's grooming that that is grooming period gross yeah. gross yeah. uh and also dude i mean the, the the setting that allowed people to be that way is so disturbing and is so wrong no accountability no oversight whatsoever um, that's, that makes me sad and very, very, very sick about it. Um, yeah, yeah, not cool, man. Uh, I mean, the kind of the, the rest of the general kind of crap is that these adults joined this group that was a commune and they were all supposed to be focused on this wonderful thing of eventually rescuing animals. Um, but they were being treated so poorly and overworked so terribly uh, and lied to constantly and money was being, you know, funneled to Marianne and then 
They were lied to about the lake house, that it was going to be this place of worship for everybody, but it just became Gabriel and Marianne's mansion. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so they all knew that this was crap, and there was so much disquiet and frustration that it was just, they had no other place to express it. And this isn't an excuse whatsoever. It's simply an explanation. So it would come to us. So we'd get people, British people, come storming into a room and start shouting, you know, um, or storming into a kennel or hollering at us at some place uh, and just start verbally abusing a bunch of young people who've been shipped out to best friends to help build best friends with no consultation for us whatsoever because we were simply cult drones and uh, foundation drones and our our lot in life was to eventually take over and it's like did you people seriously think that all of us were going to stick around because it was so good you know you, you were going to work us our fingers to the bone 12 hours a day 10 to 12 hours a day for two months over or three months sometimes even here in, in this burning hot place and and you want us to stay you think we're staying and then crazily some did yeah it boggles my mind that's the most wild thing. I'm like, why are you here? What, what are you doing? I mean, and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's some Stockholm syndrome, but the truth is that they were, they're with their parents, you know, yeah. and some of them have turned it into like, we are just a big extended family now. And they truly are with their blood parents and stuff. It's quite a thing. And the narratives that have been constructed in heads, you know, I, I'd like to be a fly on the wall in some people's brains to see the narrative there because it just it's crazy so this takes me to another quick topic and we don't have much more time because i need to go pick up kids but yeah <laughs> what i mean they're there they're still in there right um you know doing their thing working with best friends making a career in some cases having kids very few cases but in some cases having kids who are still there wait only one or two of them actually have kids but none of them are like Man, these guys lie all the time, right? Yeah. Number one, I wonder why the frick do they insist on lying so much? And did they insist on lying so much and continue to propagate the lies about the fact that they raised or sort of raised 30 kids, birthed and raised 30, 30 plus kids in this cult? Why, why do we not exist for them? Do you have any theories on why we are erased? And a follow-up, how do you think some of our peers could possibly still be around those folks knowing that it's as if we didn't exist growing up? Thoughts? Mm -hmm. <coughs> well, <clears throat> I think, I mean, I think part of it is like brainwashing again. I mean, like if, when you're so deep into something and you, you really are like all in to something you you will teleport through hoops to be able to like justify mm. whatever is happening in your head you know like if you want something to be true bad enough then it will be true in your mind um and so i think that you know it maybe in their minds it's not a lie um okay and then <clears throat> you know because like if if someone that you know and love and trust and have been following or whatever for your you know the better part of like 20 or 30 years says <clears throat> like this didn't happen then you're like oh 
my bad, you know what, I probably misremembered or whatever, you know, right. like I think people will, especially like, because it's a very specific form of like, it's, it's like an abusive relationship, you know, yeah. like there's trauma, there's abuse, there's all that. But then there's the cycle of, you know, like love and gifts and, and gaslighting, fun. right? And yeah, and whatever, and like love bombing and whatever, and like, mm -hmm. oh, you're so great, or da da da, that it like builds you up so that, you know, when the shit starts happening again, like, you know, they're like, oh, well, but it's going to get better. And I mean, you know, right. and that, and so I really view it as, as for, you know, all of these people that have stuck around or whatever, like it, it really is just like an abusive relationship and you just mm. stick with it because you think it's going to get better or you stick with it because you're being told that this is fine. This is normal. It's right. not, it's not that bad or, you know, whatever. And then, you know, the kids that stuck around, like, I mean, you said it like their parents were still there. And so, <clears throat> I mean, for a lot of them, like it's, all they've ever known so right. and you know and they also made it seem scary if you left like they if did. you leave if you leave like your life will end and you know like the like it, you will die without us you know like yeah so, but now they're grown-ups and they know better surely yeah but i mean you know it's so weird but again, like an abusive relationship, you know, like why do people stay in bad marriages? Because right. it's like, well, I've already put in so much time. I don't want to have to start over, I, you know. Da -da -da. And we build our own narratives that try to make it seem like, no, 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 it's not as bad as, as that. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and huh. that's all part of like brainwashing and stuff. And, yeah. and that's that's part of abuse is that, they, you know, you get tricked and you your mind gets like rewired to... Except, you know, because people always ask abuse victims, like, well, why didn't you just leave? Right, and, exactly. you know, and that's what we're saying about these guys, too. Like, well, why didn't you just leave? And it's the same answer, or, you know? Or why did you leave and then come back right. 20 years and, later to work full-time for these? How? And yeah. then come back also with this narrative that, which people, I had quite a few people characterize it as, as, as if it were a boarding school. As if we lived at home with our parents, but they sent us away for all of our life. And so that we could get abused and browbeaten and brain, attempted brainwashed. That's not a boarding school, guys. It's a cult. But they absolutely did characterize it as a boarding school. And I'm just wondering, how, how do you build this freaking false narrative that's patently, demonstrably, in every way false narrative? So that you can then go back to working for this cult that you used to rail against. I mean, I'm talking about Bart and Asa, you know, the twins. Yeah. We yelled about, we, we complained to each other about the cult for years. And we just like shook our fists and, you know, promised all kinds of terrible things that would come to them. But Asa's kind of friendly to it. And Bart is back. He works for them full time. He lives in Kanab, working yeah. full time for this former cult. And I'm like, how, how did you do that? You were in the Marines, surely. Surely you have the reality in your head at this point, but somehow not. I'm, yeah. I'm confused. I mean, that's all that I can. I, that's, that's it's abusive relationship. 
yeah it really is because you know and then in my experience like the mind tends to try to forget especially like in relationships like you forget about how bad things really were right and then if you have the abuser that comes to you and says like yeah but like remember all the good times remember remember this remember this remember this like it's you know i'm not like that anymore babe like come back and and you know like it, it you're always gonna be vulnerable about it like we're always going to be vulnerable about this time in our lives and so and i think you know like they prey on vulnerability and fear you know like that's their whole thing and so if you if you mix that just right like it you know you can manipulate anyone yeah and and it's it's interesting i mean you know, I, I don't want to navel gaze too much about this, but I just, I think about, you know, now how much of this is deliberate or how much is these, these people who, you know, 50 years ago, almost at this point, it is, holy fork, it is 50 years ago. What the mm-hmm. ever loving crap, more than 50 years, have been in this life, in this cycle, in this, you know, all these relationships with these other founder types, these, especially the British ones. Um, how much of it is just because this is how they live and they're not aware of it, uh, of the the natural gaslighting muscle that they exercise all the time, the natural abuse muscle that they exercise all the time, and how much of it is deliberate. Like, we know we're being total a-holes. I'm gonna swear as much as you practically. Um, And (laughs) so I wonder, is it, are they aware and is it deliberate? Are they aware and they don't care? Um, Or is it just natural, this is how they are now? Because I still hear stories coming out of there about how they try to do business, how it seems like they're almost trying to take over other businesses and properties down there in Kanab. I mean, you know, you saw that they own a whole hotel <laughs> um, and a fitness center and uh, many of the founders own restaurants and other things down there. Um, it, but I, I keep hearing stories from friends who are locals there that they're kind of throwing their weight around and still kind of being jerks. Yeah. I mean, like it just, it, it makes me think about like so here um you know when i was married before um my ex-husband always used to steal things and it you know it started off by like oh i was naughty and i stole a chapstick from the store you know what the or frick? whatever huh i didn't know that that's crazy james oh yeah well oh, yeah God. so but then you know over the years it progressed and um it was to the point where um he was stealing like thousands of dollars of clothing and electronics and um that's bonkers yeah and like had made a little system to get the magnetic tabs off of clothes uh and you know stuff like that and he had me in on it as an accomplice to it you know like he would put the clothes in my purse or like whatever yeah and and but he had a system where he would always buy one thing. So if we happened to beep when we were walking through the the thing, he would be like, oh, I, you know, I mean, we bought this, but maybe there's a tag still on it or something, you know, mm-hmm. so like we wouldn't get caught. But anyway, like, you know, he had mastered it. And, you know, towards the end of our marriage, like, 
half the stuff in our house was stolen. Um, like Jeez. my whole wardrobe was stolen. Half of our, uh, our electronics were stolen. And finally he got permanently banned from Costco because someone caught him trying to steal like headphones and stuff. But the, the point that I'm getting at is that when it was happening, I knew that stealing was wrong. Yeah. And I knew that, it, that what we were doing wasn't right, but he had convinced me and, you know, and, the, and then I had convinced myself that this was just like, you know, like our thing, like we are like a Bonnie and Clyde kind of thing, wow. yeah. like sticking it to the man, you know, like fuck big corporations or like whatever. You right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And now that I'm so far removed from it now, I'm like, well, that's messed up but you know but like when i was in it and i mean we were together for what five six years Mm -hmm. and that whole time like we were doing that you know and that whole time you know and my and my mom knew about it and she you know she said like i you know emma this is not this is not a good thing this is really wrong this is illegal and I was like, oh, you know, it's fine, mom. Like, it's just the same little thing. You know, we're just in a silly, goofy mood or, you know, whatever. And, and yeah, but I mean, again, like you teleport through hoops yeah. to justify things in your mind and you tell yourself whatever you need to tell yourself to make it seem okay because, mm. because of fear and because of vulnerability and that's you know and that's what I liken this to as well you know like where you're like well I know it's wrong but also like I'm also you know getting stuff that I want yeah and you know we're getting what we want so it doesn't really matter the way that we're doing it because we're getting what we want you know yeah that's very interesting I mean that I think I think you've really uncovered a lot of stuff there this they get you get what you want and you get away with it so why stop exactly it's working you know and in the case of best friends previously of course as a cult doing their cult things you know the higher the higher call the higher cause that they're after you know they could almost say well whatever it takes we got to make this happen whatever it takes yeah we can do whatever so that that that's an interesting alternative like alternate morality really that people come up with when there's really just a Right and wrong, guys. Um, yeah, so I, I have to go here in a second, but I want to ask you one last question, if you don't mind. Yeah. How familiar How familiar are you with, like, what foster life is like? Um, fairly familiar because we've looked into being foster parents and stuff, so. Okay. Cool. Now, most foster kids, just a really quick encapsulation, most foster kids will not have a long-term placement. Uh, the longest yeah. term placement they'll have is up a year or two. Two is a long friggin' time, right? Yeah. Um, they'll, you know, get placed for a while, and then they'll, uh, for any reason, a reason, reasons that they'll never know, have to leave that place and go somewhere else. Or sometimes they do know, and it's because the the, the fosters can't take it anymore, or they've bitten off more than they can chew, more than they can chew. Um, but while they're in that foster situation, they're you know completely. Um, be victims really to whatever or beholden or just, you know, they're part of this family now, a new family culture and it's disruptive every time they move. And sometimes they go back to live with their parents for a minute because reunification is the goal um, with all foster, all social services, reunification is the goal. Um, 
it never really dawned on me to to me it never fully dawned on me how similar my life was and i think your life too even though it was a little shorter in there was to the foster system because we are constantly so so nothing could be less stable than the foster system and truly nothing could be less stable except for the cult than the cult and and then then being around people who you are absolutely going to be jerked around by these people their personalities their predilections their tempers we every single adult was different and could abuse us in any way they wanted or guide us or try to train us in whatever way they wanted and nobody could stop them and that's really a lot like a foster system um and it's it makes me a lot more empathetic i think to to what foster kids go through um but it's funny that I never, it never occurred to me until we, we, you know, we fostered and then adopted. Um, but I mean, does that sound kind of like the way I described foster system? Does it sound kind of like what you went through? Yeah. And it's interesting because, um, I, I didn't realize it until, I, um, a while ago, but when I, you know, as I got older and I would say like, you know, if I wouldn't start off by saying like I was born into a cult if I just said like oh yeah well you know like as like a little aside to a story I was telling you know I would say like oh I didn't live with my parents from the ages of you know two to five or whatever and people would automatically assume that I was in foster care and so they would ask me questions like I was in the foster system like oh so what did your parents do to get you back like are you with your parents now did you ever go back to your biological parents Mm. and stuff like that and I'm like no 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 like I they didn't do anything wrong you know nothing like that like they you know and then I have to explain it more but yeah like it would always get likened and it would always be assumed that I was in the foster system I was like oh yeah I guess you know, like I, yeah, it is, it is similar, but yeah. yeah. And I wonder, you know, that, that for me isn't actually a big indictment. I think that, I think that the cult folks sort of saw it that way too. And they said, Hey, they're okay. Cause in foster, yeah. the ultimate goal is reunification. But in the cult, of course, it was just get these kids to survive. You know, the foster parents were accountable for making sure the kids were fed and had a place to sleep. And, you know, the, the home study that the, that the social services, you know, um, caseworkers do, you know, they're pretty in depth, but ultimately what, if somebody passes that their home could, could deteriorate pretty quick and then be knocked back into shape briefly for a quick home visit or something. But the idea is it's going to, we think it's going to be obvious if these kids aren't being fed and if they aren't going to school and if they don't have a place to sleep, that's the minimum requirement there. And it feels like that was the minimum thing for us that yeah there's there's food on the table and they have clothes and they're going to school and later they're not going to school but they're being quote-unquote homeschooled or private schooled and bonus they have a bunch of other kids to play with um and that that was like it feels like that could have been the justification for you know a life that was ultimately deeply damaging and that we still have to unpack and process even now into our middle ages. Uh, is, do you think that's accurate? Maybe that they're, they're like, Oh, they're alive and they've got clothes. They can speak. Oh it, yeah. It very much. I mean, I, 
like that's what I say to people is like they they didn't care about us. Their whole thing was just like keep them alive. Yes. Like we don't care what happens to them, but just you know keep them alive. Yeah, and they succeeded. You know. Yep. But then there was my older brother, my oldest brother Daniel. You know, I mean, a really quick, stark example of. Yeah, keep them alive, but don't care for them in any other way so that now this kid, who is still a kid, I don't care how old he was, he was 16, you know, this yeah. is not an adult. He gets out on his own. He has no mother-loving clue. And all he knows to do is to medicate, to try to make himself feel better because he doesn't know why he feels the way he feels. He just knows that he's still angry at everything. Um, mm -hmm. And he's got all these ambitions and they're flashes in the pan. And he, he's got... Such bad reactive attachment disorder, it can't even be quantified. His ACEs score was probably a nine. Um, and, and then, of course, he he got into drugs and died. And that was terrible. So my, my parting shot, and I want to have let you have a parting shot, and then we got to hang up, um, is that, you know, kids deserve better. <laughs> like, they just deserve better. And they deserve a stable place where they can go to people who they trust who they can feel safe with and adults out there and young people out there. If you can be that place for somebody who hasn't had it, you can save, you can actual save a life. If you can be that safe, that stable, that, that space for a person, you're, you can make all the difference in the world. Um, we don't need to be get in skis or butt in skis, but we can absolutely make a difference in people's lives because us, us kids, we needed it. And I, I swear, I, I reacted deeply unhealthily every time anybody showed me any attention, any affection, anything whatsoever. So, uh, yeah, just remember, we can all be better out there for kids. What have you got? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm in total agreement. And I think also, like, kids are kids are people, too. Like, yeah like treat treat kids like people you know because people often adults often underestimate kids and think they don't understand that they you know uh like whatever but kids are a lot smarter than we give them credit for and um they don't miss much they don't miss much and you can sp like speak to them plainly like don't try and i don't know like use fancy you know, words or whatever, or try and dumb it down for them. Like kids are so much smarter than we give them credit for. So treat them with kindness and treat them like people, because yeah. if you want them to respect you, you have to give them respect as well. So you have to teach them how to respect. Exactly. Yep. I mean, somebody said something once years and years ago that you're an example, whether or not you want to be. <laughs> yes. You're always exactly. an example say what we say, what we do, how we react, how we manage our emotions, our kids are seeing it. And yep. I, I have, I'm still fixing some stuff I taught when I wasn't managing emotions well as a dad. Um, and, and I mean, I'm glad that I can fix it and have the opportunity to, but uh, yeah. Um, all right. So I'm not better. I don't think you sound better, uh, but it's been fun to tell the story a little more here i hope i hope you've enjoyed it yeah it's been good it's very cathartic i'm so glad and i just think you're pretty top-notch my dear sister 
You're, I think uh, you're the bee's knees. Well, that's that's very kind. I don't think bees have knees, but if they did, I'm glad to be them. Um, Good. And I, uh, again, you uh, you've been a huge part of my life and just anything that approaches normalcy when I was a teenager, you, you made a big difference there. Um, so I appreciate that. And also <laughs> I did not realize that I had influenced your theatrical dramatic, uh, ambitions. And that just gives me a glow that'll never fade. <laughs> um, so if you could not make me cry twice in a day, that Sorry. would be appreciated. Thanks. <laughs> it's, you know, I'm, I'm unabashed. My heart's on my sleeve. I'm, I'm a pro heart. <laughs> Uh, sleeve wearer but uh all right well it's been really good to chat i think that i can break this into one or two episodes and we'll see how it goes but i'm actually cool. going to stop recording this is uh emma once you say bye or and maybe give them a reminder of where to find you on tiktok okay bye um you can find me on tiktok my username is spicy emma panada and from there you can also um find my instagram as well awesome and maybe that'll even work. And um, thanks for everybody, everybody for listening. Uh, the, all the final episodes will be coming up out in very quick order at this point. Um, it's been a great journey and I have gained so much. So I want to give you all a parting shot. Go figure out a way to tell your story. Even if you don't think you've got trauma, that's okay. Even if you straight up don't have trauma, that's okay. We all got to tell our story, if nothing else, to ourselves so that we can figure out who we the frick are. And we are all children of an actual loving God. So straight up, I um, hope you know that. But everybody, go out and tell your story. If that requires a podcast, a vlog, writing in a journal, make sure you're telling your story in some way. Uh, and for now, thanks for listening to our story. See you later.